It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Wednesday, September 21st, 2022. I'm Brooke Schaefer with Raven News. The Alaska Supreme Court has denied an appeal from a Sitka woman who was injured after a large decoration fell on her during preparations for the city's Alaska Day festivities in 2016. The 23-page decision affirms the verdict of a Sitka jury, which ruled on the multi-million dollar lawsuit following a lengthy trial in 2019. KCAW's Robert Woolsey reports. Sandy Sulzbach sought $3.7 million in damages after a decorative lantern fell on her head in Sitka's Harrigan Centennial Hall during rehearsals for the city's Alaska Day Festival. Sulzbach was a member of the New Archangel Dancers, an amateur ensemble comprised of local women who have entertained visitors with Russian folk dances for over 50 years. The lanterns weighed about five pounds and were hanging roughly eight feet from the floor, At trial, they were described as light and collapsible and unlikely to concentrate their weight on a single point, substantially reducing any impact. They were being hung by John Farrick, a volunteer for the Alaska Day Festival who frequently provided technical services in the Centennial Building for a variety of organizations. Farrick was using the building's lift to temporarily mount the lanterns until they could be leveled and more securely installed. Farrakh was absent from the room for about 15 minutes when the accident occurred. Sulzbach was taken by ambulance to the hospital where she was diagnosed with a concussion and released. Sulzbach and her husband Rob subsequently brought a lawsuit against the city claiming its negligence caused them harm. Sulzbach for her injuries and her husband for the loss of marital relations resulting from those injuries for a total of $3.7 million. The city, in turn, brought a third-party complaint against Farrick, alleging that his negligence was to blame for the accident. Following two weeks of testimony in October of 2019, a Sitka jury found that the city was not negligent, either on its own or vicariously, for Farrick. The court also agreed that Farrick was shielded from liability by the Volunteer Protection Act. Sulzbach filed a motion for a new trial on the grounds that the trial court had made a fundamental evidentiary error in questioning the manager of the Centennial Building at the time. She also argued that the jury's verdict in favor of Farrick was against the clear weight of evidence. When the trial court denied her request, she appealed to the Supreme Court, adding a new claim that the Sitka jury erred by deciding against the clear weight of evidence that the city was not negligent. In its 23-page decision issued on September 16th, the Alaska Supreme Court found Sulzbach's arguments unpersuasive, writing, substantial evidence supports the jury's conclusion. As to the evidentiary error during the testimony of the building manager, the Supreme Court determined that the error was quickly corrected and that Sulzbach had adequate opportunity to examine and re-cross-examine the witness. The Supreme Court affirmed the judgment of the Sitka Trial Court and waived other issues raised by Sulzbach, including attorney's fees, as being insufficiently briefed. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Robert Woolsey. 
At a press conference in Bethel Monday night, Governor Mike Dunleavy said he will request a federal disaster declaration for the historic storm that hit parts of western Alaska over the weekend. The declaration would make federal funding and support available for recovery efforts. Major General Torrance Sachs is commissioner of the Alaska Department of Military and Veterans Affairs. He said before the governor can submit the request, state officials must determine how much funding to ask for. Sachs said the state will ask the federal government for both public and private assistance. So that would be money for infrastructure and also for individual homes. And to get that, we need to get boots on the ground from FEMA, which they are doing right now, to assess exactly what has happened in the dollar amount. Dunleavy said if the federal disaster declaration is approved, FEMA would cover at least 75 percent of eligible disaster costs. Well, we think that a lot of the damage is going to be uh, as a result of erosion on roads, um, some structures, maybe some power poles, et cetera. So um, certainly um, uh, we believe that that's, uh, that's fitting for the uh, federal government to help with that. Monday, state officials visited Hooper Bay and Scammon Bay and flew over Chivac. Dunleavy said there was less damage than some officials had anticipated and things were starting to go back to normal. Tuesday, they went to New Talk. They'll go to Bering Strait communities, including Golovin and Nome, later this week. Brian Fisher, Director of Homeland Security and Emergency Management, said 63 Western Alaska homes have reported damage so far. Ketchikan Public Library supporters gathered Saturday for what organizers called a read-in. They were opposing a ballot measure that would strip borough funding from the library. As KRBD's Eric Stone reports, people waved signs, handed out books, and urged voters to support the library this October. I support it because it's a good, because I want people to learn what they can read and question and think. So I support it because I like it. Eight-year-old Aurora Hops stands on the side of North Tongas Highway with a handwritten sign saying, I love the library. It is for everyone. Her sister, seven-year-old Anaya Hops, has a sign that says, We love our library. We get to read and sometimes we like to get CDs and headphone sets. And while we're cleaning up our house, we get to listen to them. And the books are really nice. Their mom, Nina Hops, says the library is a central part of her family's life. She homeschools the kids, and she says Aurora and Anaya check out over 100 books a month. And the library has really been foundational to our family because they had the baby story time, they have all the activities and ways to meet other families and kids to be friends for life, basically. So the Ketchikan Library is part of our family. The family is out here at Wolf Point spending this sunny Saturday waving signs because they're concerned about Proposition 2. It's a ballot measure that would remove the borough's authority to collect a property tax on homes and businesses outside city limits. That tax provides nearly 40% of the Ketchikan Public Library's annual funding, or what equals about half a million dollars. The ballot measure was proposed this summer after the library hosted a story time with a drag queen. If the measure passes, Ketchikan's library director says she would have to make drastic cuts to services. She'd have to lay off about half of the library's employees and cut its hours by 25%. Roughly 2,000 library card holders who live outside city limits would not be able to check out materials. And almost all programming for children, teens, adults, and elders would have to be cut. Nina Hops says it would be a devastating loss. So to lose the resource of the library would mean that we would lose hundreds of books that we would read each year, that my kids memorize and remember and become part of them. So losing that amount of books, resources, and activities would be a huge impact. 
A little further down the street is Catelyn Jacobson. She's the librarian for Ketchikan High School. She says a funding cut for the public library would have a ripple effect on the school system's libraries. Our schools are looking at drastic cuts if this were to go through. They check out, we borrow from the public library over 1,400 items a year. That equates almost $30,000 worth of books that we borrow from the public library, just our students district-wide. So that's a huge, uh, huge benefit to our students that would be gone. And she says that would have a ripple effect on literacy for children all over Ketchikan. All studies show that the more books a child has, whether it's at home or in the classroom, is going to make them a better reader and make them enjoy reading more. Especially, most importantly, freedom of choice. That's what makes kids excited about reading. If they find that Garfield comic book that they want to read, they're going to want to pick it up and keep reading. So that's really the essential role that libraries play in helping kids read. All told, about a couple dozen supporters showed up to the rally. Republican State House candidate Jeremy Bynum was there, too. He wouldn't say whether he supports or opposes Proposition 2. As a city resident, he can't vote on it anyway. I'm going to leave it up to the voters of the, uh, that are in the non-area wide to make a decision on whether or not they would like uh, those property taxes to continue to support the library. But Bynum, who also sits on Ketchikan's Borough Assembly, said he would support alternate ways to fund the library if the measure passes. Uh, the funding of the library issue, like I said, I think the library is an important institution and it's a community requirement that uh, we support that. And I think that uh, regardless of what happens uh, with the proposition, that we will find ways to support the library in the future, um, whether that's from the, the city and or from the borough. That's the thing about Proposition 2. It doesn't prohibit the borough from funding the library. It just removes the property tax that currently provides the borough's library funding. So if voters pass the proposition, the assembly could, for example, impose a new borough-wide tax to fund the library. Borough Mayor Rodney Dial, who was there with a sign reading here to answer questions if you have any, suggested a different funding source. Uh, one idea that was discussed is that the assembly could use cruise ship tax money to replace the loss. Part of what's driving the ballot proposition is the idea that residents outside city limits don't have enough say in what goes on at the library. Only the Ketchikan City Council, rather than the Borough Assembly, has the authority to set the library's budget and review programming decisions. Nina Hops, the homeschooling mom, says there are plenty of ways, though, that residents can have their voices heard. I'm on the advisory board and we've had meetings where nobody shows up. So if you want an in and you want someone to listen, we are there to listen and we're there for open opinions and suggestions. And since nobody's showing up, it's showing me that they're maybe only care about money. Proposition 2 goes to Ketchikan Gateway Borough voters outside city limits on October 4th. Reporting in Ketchikan, I'm Eric Stone. I'm Brooke Schaefer, and this has been Raven News. And now taking a quick look at the weather for Sitka for today, Wednesday, September 21st, 2022. Today, rain mainly after 1 p.m., high near 55, south wind around 10 miles per hour. Chance of precipitation is 100%. Tonight, rain mainly before 1 a.m., low around 49, southeast wind 5 to 10 miles per hour. Chance of precipitation is 90%. You're tuned in to your community radio station, Raven Radio, KCAW in Sitka. Good morning.